We've been discussing man's search for significance and our, make sure I'm on there, our striving to find meaning in life, in a world that is hard, in a world that is difficult, in a world that throws stones at us. We've been striving to find meaning because something separates us from God. And the answer to these challenges in life is always God and his son Jesus, but oftentimes the world clouds our vision and distracts us. So we've been talking about these challenges that we face and, and the, the, the ways in which the world and the lies of Satan grab us by the ankles and pull us down and prevent us from being closer to God. Last week we talked about the lie that success uh, is, is going to make us happy. That if we can just achieve a certain standard, that then, we will be, then we'll be successful and then we'll be happy. I put forth a, um, uh, uh, an equation for you last week. An equation that de- determines our self-worth. This is how the world views self-worth. Self-worth equals success plus the approval of others. And so today we're going to talk about the other end of that equation, the approval of others. Uh, We talked about success last week and how it leaves us empty and how no standard except that which God has set truly determines success, and our achievement of that standard comes through Christ and not through our own efforts. And so this week we will talk about the approval of others and the addiction that we have, that mankind has, to approval. Have you ever met someone that I call them vending machine people? You ever met a vending machine person? Or maybe you are one. It's that person who wakes up in the morning and they've already got a list a mile long of people that need their help. And they go about their day running around doing errands for people, helping with different projects, checking on folks that have asked for them. They they can't say no to anyone. I I knew someone like this in the town I I preached in uh, previously. Uh, He actually used to be the mayor of the town. It's a little town. I want you to think Mayberry, okay? Think Andy Griffith. A little town of a couple thousand people in northeast Arkansas. And this guy uh, was just the most genuine good person. And uh, you could call him for anything and he would be there. And he went to church with us. And because he used to be the mayor of the town, he had some connections and he got me out of a couple speeding tickets. So that was great. I love that guy. But there were a couple times where maybe the furnace went out in the, we had a, a, the preacher had a house there that was provided and maybe the furnace went out or there was a problem with uh, something and I would just call John and um, he would say, well, I've got a lot of, I'm doing this and I got to do this, but I'll be there as soon as I can. And I mean, within five minutes he was there because he was helpful. We often don't identify the vending machine people, and there's a difference between what I call the vending machine people and those who are just helpful, because a vending machine has no choice. You pull a lever, you get what you've asked for. Um, That's a little different than someone who just has a servant's heart. And this is not an attempt to judge people, but we have to understand whether it's us seeing them or seeing ourselves Those who give of themselves to others and cannot say no appear on the outside to just be people with a servant's heart. And that's wonderful. Maybe you're one of those people. And maybe you're one of those people who on the outside appears to just have a servant's heart, but on the inside are falling apart. 
because you feel like you're losing pieces of yourself to everyone around you. Everyone gets a piece, and you don't have time left for yourself, for your family, to focus on your own spiritual growth and relationship with God. Maybe you feel tossed about by people around you who, are, who need you, but you're losing yourself because you can't say no because you love to have the approval of those around you. It's kind of a sad thing because many of those people are hurting and they become resentful. But on the outside, they just look like good people. We have to be aware of those people in our midst and we have to be aware when we are that person. The addiction to approval as a part of that Success, self-worth equation, self-worth equals success plus others' approval. That's a lie. That's the lie of Satan. Last week we talked about that uh, success lie and said that God's answer for this lie that we must reach a certain standard in order to be acceptable to other people, that the answer to that is the justification that Jesus provides by his death. Because we are justified uh, through Christ, we no longer have to worry about meeting someone else's definition of what success is, this world's definition. We have been purchased and we have been made whole. And the same is true with approval, seeking the approval of others. In some ways, and I wish I could tell you that my sermon today is going to cure you of it if you, if you suffer from addiction appro uh, approval addiction. I wish I could tell you that this sermon is going to make a difference. It might not. Because in some ways it's hardwired. It's painful when we, we are disapproved of. It's a painful experience when we don't get approval. People that are vending machine people live their life needing that approval. They can't wait to hear, good job, thank you, you're awesome, you're wonderful. And they can hear that all day long until they hear the one disapproving word. And they're crushed. People with an addiction to approval carry with them the one negative over the multitude of positives. It crushes their spirit. It hurts to not get the approval of your fellow man. And how are we wired? How are we designed for survival? We avoid pain. And our addiction to approval is a development of our desire to avoid pain. We want to be liked. We want to be accepted. We want to be a part of a community. We want to be a part of the crowd and we want to be important to that crowd. When we were younger, in school or in a youth group or, or amongst this, the word that was used to describe this was peer pressure. You've heard peer pressure. Well, peer pressure is nothing but another word for approval addiction. And it was often, you know, when I was younger, they would have little seminars and school assemblies and they would tell us not to give in to peer pressure, don't do drugs, and don't drink, and don't do all these things because... Uh, it wasn't good for you and, and, and you're going to be pressured to do it by others. And what that is, is the beginnings of our development into an addiction for others' approval. Into a lie that if we do enough for people, that if we get the approval of enough people, we'll be happy. We have to, to win the approval of others in order to be accepted. The truth is, if you heard about peer pressure when you were in high school, we've never graduated. We don't graduate from that. As adults, we are the same way. We continue to seek approval. We continue to want to fit in. We continue to want to be a part of a community 
Sometimes, at whatever cost it brings in our life, we do things we don't want to do and spend money we don't have to win the acceptance of people we don't like. That is our life when we're addicted to the approval of others. And like any addiction, we will always be let down. Always. Every drug, every, every substance, every self-medicating thing that people use has so many promises and they all let you down. And the approval of others is the same way. Because a, a genuine person will accept your help and, and offer you approval and thank you for it, but others will take advantage of you. And no one will think twice because you're offering and you seem like such a good person. But you know when it is eating you alive from the inside out to be tossed about like rough seas, like high winds, and your life is made or it is broken based on what others think of you, or what you think others think of you. You see, because that's the real issue with the approval uh, of, uh, with the addiction to approval, is that oftentimes we don't think, you know, the, the other side of the equation besides meeting a standard or achieving success, we don't just care about what we think of us or what others think of us, we care about what we think others think of us because we don't know. So the lie tells itself. We build and construct this world in our minds that is not always true. We'll always be let down because the promises are lies. And what happens when we're let down? What do we turn to? Anger and hostility. Bitterness at feeling used and discarded by those around you. We become people who are easily manipulated and easily... Uh, drawn into doing what anyone asks because we want to be liked by them and we want to be approved by them. Codependency is a major factor when people are addicted to approval, whether it's in relationships or with substances or the abuse or addiction to those things. And eventually, a withdrawal from relationships because you feel so drained and so used up and so beat up by the world around you, taking advantage of you, pulling you here or there, waking up every day needing someone else to tell you that you're valuable, and maybe you get it, maybe you don't, you begin to withdraw. I'd rather not have relationships with people because they hurt me. That's the result of this addiction. The question is, what do we do about it? How do we combat? As I mentioned before, fear of rejection is at the heart of this addiction. It causes us to withdraw and avoid relationships, or it causes us to work harder and burn out chasing the approval and acceptance of others. But the fear of rejection and the heart of this addiction only controls us to the degree that we base our worth on the opinions of others rather than the opinions of God. This fear and this addiction only has a grasp on us if we place it above seeking the approval of God. That verse that was read by Christian, Galatians 1.10, do I seek the approval of man or do I seek the approval of God? And Paul writes that 
I'm seeking the approval of God. If I were seeking man, I could not be a bondservant of the Lord. You can't do both. You can't do both. James, when he writes about the taming of the tongue in his epistle, he writes about that and talks about how this, this is such a powerful thing because it can give blessings and it can give curses, but it doesn't need to do both. You can't have a saltwater spring and a freshwater spring. Remember that? We can't chase after the approval of man and the approval of God. The only way uh, is to value the constant approval of God over the conditional approval of man. And until we learn to see that our peers, our communities, our friends, mankind's approval of us is conditional and acknowledge that God's approval of us is constant, we will forever be in the trap of addiction or, uh, to approval. We have to understand the components of salvation in order to understand this. Remember last week we talked about justification. Justification is actually a legal term. Justification is a legal scenario. It describes the means by which we are made right with God according to the law. We are justified. Our debt is paid. The wrong has been corrected. That's the legal judicial side of salvation. But there's another side to salvation. That is reconciled. We have to be reconciled to God. Now what's the difference? Because they're very similar words. Like you think of reconciling like reconciling a checkbook and no one younger than me knows what that means. But you reconcile your bank account or your checkbook. My grandmother, used to, she worked for like 30 some odd years in a bank in a small town. And one of her jobs was these people would bring their ledgers in and she would balance it for them. Like she would do basic math for people that just could not bring themselves to do it. Um, which I think is a fascinating job. But we reconcile things. We bring them into agreement with one another. In the biblical sense, justification is our legal standing before God and reconciliation. Reconciliation is when enemies become friends. It's the relational side of our salvation. When one of my kids breaks a rule or they transgress against me, if I were using King James language there, I don't do that at home, that, that would be odd. But if they commit a wrong and we have a problem, I will forgive them. That's no question. They, they, might, say, they might acknowledge what they did was wrong, and, but I forgive them. Why do I forgive them? Because they're my child and I'm their father. And that's what fathers do. I'll forgive them. But does that mean that we're reconciled? No. If, if one of them breaks a rule, tells a lie, steals something, I'll forgive them and they're justified. Our relationship, we're okay. You're still my child. I'm not kicking you out of the house, see? That's the legal sense. But the relationship is still a little bit broken because now I don't trust them, what they say or what they do. The relationship has to be repaired. And we are not only justified, legally put in good standing with God because of the death of Christ, but we are reconciled to God 
through Jesus Christ because reconciliation is the relationship side of salvation. We didn't just go from being in debt to being in no debt. We went from being enemies to being friends, to being children. And that's different. Until we make it right between us, we don't have reconciliation. But Jesus brings about reconciliation. It is, in fact, a great theme of Scripture. You can look at Colossians chapter 1. And if you want to turn there, please do. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. And although you were formerly, formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Jesus Christ gave his life to put us before God blameless and holy and to be reconciled. Why? Because formerly you were enemies. Formerly you waged war against God by the way you live. We no longer do that. Reconciliation is God's answer to the addiction to approval that grips us. It may be an addiction you battle your entire life because it is so wrapped up in our human nature. But that fear, that addiction, that hold, that lie only has the power that we give it. And the power we give it has a lot to do with where we put God's view of us in our life. If we see ourselves the way God sees us, we no longer feel the need to chase after the approval of others. If we acknowledge and rec recognize our reconciled relationship between us and God through Christ, we no longer are beholden to the approval of others. Where we place God's approval determines how badly we will suffer from this need. I want to look at several verses, and that's what we'll close with. I'm going to read several verses to you from Scripture that show the great theme of reconciliation with God. Psalm 103, verse 12, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Matthew 26, 28, For this is my blood of, co of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. That's John 5, 24. In Acts chapter 10, verse 43, of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin. Romans 3, 23 and 24, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Romans 5.10, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. You have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father, Romans 8, 15. And Romans 8, 38 through 39. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, 
nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is no power in this world. There is nothing in this life, whether it be the approval or disapproval of those around us, that changes our relationship with God. He loves you. He sent his son to die for you, to justify you and free you from the chasing after worldly success, but also to reconcile you to him, to repair the relationship, to make friends out of enemies. You have approval before God because of Christ. You are approved. You no longer have to chase the lie of this world because it will let you down. And if we continue to chase after these lies in our search for significance, we continue to do it to our own detriment because it leaves us empty and resentful and hurt and less capable of doing the will of God. We are leaving blessings on the table when we chase after the blessings of this world. We miss out on the blessings of God. This morning, if you need encouragement or prayer to continue that journey, to fight harder, to ignore the lies, to shed this addiction to the approval of others, let's carry that burden together. Let's carry that journey together. And let's find a community of love and acceptance and approval that's based in God's approval, not in our definition of approval. If we can be any help to you this morning, let us know. Jonathan's going to come and we're going to stand and sing together.